0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Welcome, everyone. It is Sunday, January the 14th, 2024. It is currently 5.32 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. January the 14th. If you love church history, you probably should know this date. If you don't know church history, you probably should know this date. In fact, if you claim to be a Christian, you should know this date because January the 14th is a very important date in church history. And one that probably most Christians never give much thought to. Probably don't even, well, to be fair, probably don't want to give much thought to. But it's an important one. Because... January the 14th is a day, well, it's all about one word, and that word is apology. Maybe they should say apologies, because there should have probably been a lot of apologizing going on on this date in January the 14th. To be exact, the apologizing happened on January the 14th, 1697. 1697, January the 14th. That's the day. Now let's just, let's just remind ourselves of what an apology is. An apology is a regretful acknowledgement of an offense or failure. An apology is a regretful acknowledgement of an offense or failure. You are acknowledging You failed. You are acknowledging an offense that you committed. You're acknowledging your guilt. You're acknowledging that you were involved in it. And this is what you did. And an apology was given on January the 14th, 1697. Again, I, I still think it should be apologies. Now, this apology had everything to do with what happened in Salem. Salem, Massachusetts, to be exact. Now, anyone who knows me, anyone who listens to this podcast, you know I absolutely love Salem. I have been there a number of times. I could go there two or three times a year. I cannot explain it to you. From the very first time I drove into Salem, I was like, whoa, there's just something about this place. I love Salem. Salem. I've been to, I think everything you, probably everything you can do in Salem. No, I haven't been to everything yet, but I've been to most things, right? I've done a walking tour. I've done, and There's plenty of walking tours I haven't done yet. I want to do every single walking tour. I want to see everything there is to see. Now, there's some areas around Salem that are very much connected to the events that happened in Salem that I want to go to those places as well just to see them. Because in some cases, some of those areas, like what what is Salem today, In some cases, there are some other places that maybe play even a more significant role. But Salem as it is today is where everyone thinks about and, you know, a bazillion people go to there, go to Salem around Halloween. It's like, you know, it's crazy if you've ever been there. If you've ever been there near Halloween or on Halloween, I can't even tell you how many thousands upon thousands of people who come there. Now, in some ways— What happens there now, what is celebrated now, is so far very removed from what what Salem was. But maybe the reason everyone goes there now for Halloween and everyone goes there now to dress up and and witches and scary stories and, and ghosts and the paranormal, maybe the reason all of that is so celebrated in Salem is because of an apology that had to be issued on January the 14th, 1697. So let's do a little bit of history. Does that sound good? Let's let's do a little bit of history. Let's start with where everything went horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. And that is the Salem Witch Trials. The Salem Witch Trials were a series of hearings and prosecutions uh, oh, 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 I should read it this way. The Salem Witch Trial w- w- were a series of hearings and prosecu- prosecutions of people accused of witchcraft in colonial Massachusetts in 1692 and 1693. Please note, the Salem Witch Trials happened in 1692 and 1693. The apology doesn't happen until when, class? January the 14th, 1697. That bothers me greatly. That bothers me. You don't even know how much that bothers me, okay? So the witch trial is 1692, 1693, but the apology doesn't happen to January the 14th, 1697. Why did it take a few years? Why? Why did it take a few years? Oh, there's much I'm going to say. So let me read a little bit more about this. The Salem Witch Trials were a series of hearings and prosecutions of people accused of witchcraft in colonial Massachusetts. The events took place primarily in the town of Salem, which was a part of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. The trials began when a group of young girls in Salem Village, now Danvers, started exhibiting unusual behavior. Now that's, so everyone goes to what is Salem today, but everyone, a lot of people don't know, no, you need to actually go to Salem village, which is now what's called Danvers, or that's how I would say it. Who knows how they pronounce it up there, but that's a whole different story. So many times you'll see a name and you'll say, and you'll say it. And then if you're up in that area, they'll be like, what are you talking about? That's not how that is, that how you're supposed to say that. I'm like, well, Anyone from Texas, our way is the correct way. That's what I tell them, right? Because, you know, we, we didn't have the Salem witch trials. We had the Alamo, right? Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. So, all right. I don't know. We, 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 we could have a, a Yeah. All right. But back to this. The trials began when a group of young girls in Salem Village started exhibiting unusual behavior such as fits, seizures, and hallucinations. Unable to find a medical or logical explanation for these behaviors, the community turned to the belief that witchcraft was responsible. This led to multiple accusations being made against several individuals, mostly women, who were perceived to be witches or under the influence of witchcraft. The accusations quickly spread and the trials became a frenzy of suspicion and fear Many innocent people were accused and arrested based on flimsy evidence, including spectral evidence, testimony of supposed sightings or interactions with witches in spirit form. The accused were subject to harsh interrogations and put on trial with a burden of proof often falling on the accused to prove their innocence. And it would be very hard to prove your innocence because so-and-so can just say, "Ooh, I had, I saw their spirit or I saw this. And you're like, well, I don't know how you saw that because I was at home. It doesn't matter. I saw this. It was you. You're a witch. Okay. And then, well, then you die. And we could talk about all the things that took place. It was crazy. It was, a, it was like insanity entered into Salem and it has spread. And it was, it was it, I'm, 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 there's no way to get around this. It was religious insanity that spread. Now, as a result, 20 people were executed by hanging. One person was pressed to death and several others died in jail while waiting for trial or punishment. The trials eventually came to an end when doubt and skepticism about the validity of the accusations grew and influential individuals in the colony pushed for a halt to the proceedings. Well, some of the influ- influential individuals finally pushed for to, st- to stop the proceedings when some of their family members were accused of being witches. Then they were like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 no, 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 no. It's perfectly OK if all of you are accusing each other of being witches and it's perfectly OK if you are being killed, but not us. Okay, not don't accuse anybody in our family. Yeah, okay, well we we could yeah we could talk about how that all went down. The Salem witch trials are often seen as a dark chapter in American history demonstrating the dangers of mass hysteria, religious extremism, and the misuse of power. In later years, efforts were made to acknowledge and rectify the wrongs committed during the trials, and the memory of the victims live on as a reminder of the importance of due process and justice and, well, maybe a reminder of some other things. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Now, if you go to Salem, there's... There's museums. There's they they do all kinds of different things to show you what the trials were like, what happened. There's there's a place where you can go and see the kind of the, the the places that they were kept, the people who were accused, where they were kept. Absolutely crazy. Um, the the, the kind of the cells that they were put in. And a lot of that was based on how much money they had. Oh, it's just the whole thing. Was just It's just crazy to witness and to see. You can go to the graveyard. There's kind of like a memorial there for the people who were killed. It gives their name and the date. There's like these little stones that kind of right before you enter into the cemetery, there's kind of uh, this little like courtyard area right before you enter into the cemetery. And there's other memorials set up in the area. But it's all there for you to go and to learn and to remember and, and to see and and to try to understand it. Now, sometimes I get frustrated by by it because a lot of times the people who are presenting the information, they clearly don't have... Maybe a biblical, theological knowledge to interpret it. They just interpret it as religious people were bad. Okay. And, and look, you can't blame them. Look, I don't blame them in any way, shape, or form for what they say because those religious people were bad. They, in fact, in many cases, they went against their own theology and their own understanding of not using spectral, spectral evidence. They, they, they even, many of their writings, many of the Puritans had already condemned using that kind of evidence, but they all of a sudden then relied on that kind of evidence to put people to death and 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 it's just crazy oh i saw you know your spirit or i saw it, and it's like well then you're a witch well wait a minute i was at home eating doesn't matter if i saw if i think i saw your spirit quote unquote your spectral image somehow well then get or your presence well then guess what you're a witch but how, how can i prove that wasn't me well, the eyewitness says that they saw your your this this image this thing of you. There's no way to prove your innocence. It's like you're just you're you're damned no matter what you do. The whole thing is just insane to read about. And, and, and I, I've read, so, I've got so many books on everything that happened. I've got books written by Puritans at the time. Uh, the things that they were saying about witchcraft, some of, some of the things you would be like, okay, this sounds pretty sound and logical. But once panic and frenzy and just widespread hysteria takes place, they were like, throw out our logic, throw out our theology. Let's kill some people. And, and maybe that's a little bit hyperbolic, but it's not much. So, that was 1692 and 1693. Well, today is January the 14th. And on this day, January the 14th, 1697, something important happens. On this date, January the 14th, but the year was 1697, the Puritans apologized For the Salem witch trials. Now I don't know why it took to 1697, and and uh, that that just really it bothers me that it took to 1697. It really does. Like you had you had almost instantaneous realize what like what were we doing? We we were losing our ever living minds. Like this is crazy. How did we get ourselves here? But let me read an article about the apology. This week marks the anniversary of when Puritans in Massachusetts held a day of fasting and repentance for their involvement in the Salem witch trials, which had ended a few years early, earlier. Massachusetts officials had issued a proclamation in 1696 designating January the 14th 1697 as the day of repentance as many officials and clergy felt they had failed to do enough to protect the accused of witchcraft yeah you think yeah you you you, you failed to protect the people from insanity all right but but yeah and then they have a picture here, or kind of a drawing, of Bridget Bishop. She was the first person found guilty and executed by the Salem witch trials. Yeah, just, yeah, crazy. All right, uh, then uh, they go on to say, and they, they're quoting, that so all God's people may offer up fervent supplications unto him, and that all iniquity may be put away, which hath stirred God's holy jealousy against this land, that he would show us what we know not and help us wherein we have done amiss to do so no more, read the proclamation in part. Now, I, I'm going to be, I'll play, I'll be a little cynical. Salem at that time had suffered some really bad situations. Some really bad things that happened uh, just weather wise, crops, so many bad things that happened in the area. I wonder after the witch trials, and I would have to go verify this historically. So, do not quote me on this. If bad things continued to happen, they don't. They only had a, t- a couple of choices: blame it somehow on witchcraft, or maybe they begin to realize we've made a mistake, and so then felt that God was against them. It's all very transactional, works based, and in, in many aspects of it, and you know. You- yeah, we could have a long discussion about that. So, I, you know, I don't know, but may- maybe I'm hoping that they really realized how messed up they were. Uh, a quote, this quote continues, whatever mistakes on either hand have fallen into either by the body of this people or any orders of men, referring to the late tragedy, raised among us by Satan and his instruments, through the awful judgment of God, we would humble us thereof, er, therefore, and pardon all the errors of of his servants and people that desire to love his name. January the 14th, 1697, the Puritans apologize for the Salem witch trials. Now, we've talked about the Salem Witch Trials numerous times on this podcast because every time I go to Salem, I usually come back and at some point I turn on the microphone and talk about it, all right? Because every single time I have the same emotional upheaval that I every time I drive into that city, I have great emotions. Every time I drive out of it, I have great emotions. Every time I think about it, it, just for some reason, it impacts me greatly. Mainly because, and this is very important. Early in my Christian life, I can't remember when was the very first time, but it was early in my Christian life, I stumbled upon some book written by a Puritan, probably one of the Puritan paperbacks. And I was like, who are the Puritans? I don't know anything about the Puritans because churches never teach any church history. So I started reading about the Puritans. And at that time, for whatever I read about the Puritans, I think I only read it from like Christian publications. I think Christian History Magazine had an entire issue on the Puritans, and they talked about how they're misrepresented, and they were much more fun, and people uh, uh, act like they are, and they gave them a much more positive spin on the Puritans. Others were like, Puritans were spiritual giants, and they were great exegetical teachers of the Word of God, and and their theology was right, we need to read the Puritans, and study the Puritans, and memorize the Puritans, and the Puritans, and the and the Puritans and the Puritans. Read the Puritans. So I have like, okay, I'm going to read, I'm going to read, I'm going to read. But I always, I had this mindset, like the Puritans are great. The Puritans are wonderful. And we have a tendency to do that in Christianity, right? We have a tendency, even with biblical, biblical characters, even if they've committed horrible things, we just kind of, we kind of say, well, they made a mistake. And then we just kind of elevate the good the good, 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 almost forgetting that, like, wait a minute. These people had feet of clay. These people had sinful natures. These people fell. In fact, in some ways, I wish we would be much more realistic with the sin and failures of people in the scripture so we would stop pretending uh, that Christians somehow become magically superheroes who never commit sin. We, we have a sinful nature. We never fulfill the law of God because that demands perfection. We never come close. We always fall short. We're always in a perpetual state of sin. And to say anything other than that is absolute foolishness. I wish we would do that. And then when forget biblical characters when we get into history. If, if the people in church history are on our team—now, it's really weird how Christians do this. If the people in church history are on our team, or we perceive them to be on our team—in other words, if you hold a kind of an Augustinian view of soteriology, well, then Augustine is the greatest—you know, he's a great church leader if you see Augustine as— maybe the father of Roman Catholicism, or you are a Pelagian or a semi-Pelagian, well, then Augustine is the devil. If you hold to Augustine, an Augustinian view of things, well, then Pelagius and, and Pelagianism is of the devil. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. You know, Calvin, he's either great or he's of the devil. And you, Luther, he's either great or he's of the devil. And you just go on and on and on. And so, that, yeah, that's, that's just the way it works in church history, which is just ridiculous, right? That you pick the people that's on your team and they're good and everyone else is bad. That's just a horrible way to study church history. No matter, no matter if the person was on your side, no matter if the person was not on your side, trust me, there was far more sin and more skeletons in their closet than we may even know. History, we may never see it. But the point is, it's usually sooner or later someone uncovers something. Like, oh, they said what? Oh man, they wrote what? Oh, they did what? And then we're like, oh no! Don't be oh no. Go well, they're just like us. But I I had a very great kind of image of the Puritans. And then all of a sudden, for some weird reason, I knew about Salem. And I always was bothered by it and fascinated by it. But I never really directly, I don't know why. There was a gap there in my development, growing and understanding. I never really connected it to the Puritans. I may have referred to them as Puritans, but they were kind of like, there were those Puritans. But they were not the Puritans. Like, the Puritans were Puritans. Pure. The, those Puritans were different Puritans. I don't know what I did. I almost somehow disconnected with. And then finally, when it, the two worlds came together, I'm like, oh, wow. The great and mighty and holy Puritans was doing what? How many people died? What were they doing? And then you find out the uh, Puritans, you know, they, in some, some ways, escape religious persecution only to turn around and say, this is the way it must be. And and, and, and act laws to persecute people. <laughs> who aren't them. Like it was, it's just insane how the whole thing went down. So for me, the fact that it is the Puritans holds a lot of weight for me. So here is what I want to do. I'm just going to throw out a couple of thoughts. I was going to write down specific points, but I decided just to make this very conversational. The first thing. As Christians... We must, we must, and I don't know how we ever truly accomplish this. We must develop more sensitivity to our own failures, our own sin. And be willing to acknowledge it and confess it. Oh, there's an appropriate time. There's an inappropriate time. But we need to be able to do so. Look, humility. Humility. If you truly want humility, if you're truly humble, if you've been truly humbled, humility is really the impossible task of being more aware and concerned over your own sin than you are anybody else's. You see someone else's sin, you're like, they got nothing on me. You see someone else is in, you're like, they got nothing on me. But no, no, no. When we hear scandal and we hear dirt on everyone else, like, oh, did you hear what those? So, oh, so and so. You, you'll you see it on Christian websites. If a pastor is caught in something, oh, how dare them? I can't believe they would do this. What kind, what kind of example is that? They're pathetic. They should have never been in the ministry. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. At what point are you ever going to have any sensitivity to your own sin, to your own failings, your own shortcomings? Oh, it may not be that sin. It may not be external. But if we could plug into your brain, who knows what we would discover? We have to be very quick to see. It shouldn't take us years to go, hey, uh, you know, we killed 20 people. I think maybe we made a mistake. No, I think you should be like, What did we do? What were we thinking? We weren't even following the teaching. Some of the teaching that was happening in those churches at that time that dealt with witchcraft was against the whole spectral evidence thing. It was against it. But yet, but yet they were, they were just going against it. Like, it's like, what was happening? They weren't even listening to their own theology. They, and, and innocent people were accused and killed and people were turning on each other. Well, you know, so-and-so over there, you know, look over there, look over there. I think they're a witch. And, I, and I, I'll point over there because if I'm pointing over there, no one's pointing at me. In fact, if I, if I decide to be accusing everyone at, for witchcraft, then, then I'm going to be the, the witch finder. I'm not going to be the witch. Self-preservation, selfishness, people in some ways taking out their own little selfish issues they had with people and maybe business dealing. It just got ugly and worldly and fleshly. It was horrible. Horrible. Are you more sensitive to your own sin or are you more sensitive to the sin of others? I mean, honestly, do you, as soon as sin is in your life, do you feel it? Do you feel bad about it? Do you Did it, you know it, or do you get frustrated and angry and upset and judgmental and condemning at everyone else's sin? Oh, did you hear so-and-so? And some people are, man, they're just ready. It's like, they're just, it's like, they just kind of sit there. And, and I know this is more violent illustration, but they kind of sit with a baseball bat in their hand. Just kinda, they just kind of, they kind of just swirl it around and just look around. Oh, Christian messed up. Bam. And they hit him in the head like, ha, ha ha you sinner, you piece of trash. And you're like, whoa, you seem way too gleeful to condemn and expose everyone. I guess you are above the rest of us. We need to be quick to see ourselves. Now I'm getting ready to offend a lot of people, but I'm going to say it. The church loves to run around. And when I say the church, not that doesn't mean every single individual or every single church. I'm saying in general, like just in a general way, to run around and say. They're grooming our kids. They're pedophiles. You know, uh, LGBTQ mu- Q-, Q movements trying to destroy our world, and they're and they're abusing kids, and they're they're sexual predators, and drag queen. You know, reading hour. They're they're doing this, and we got to get books out of the public library. Our kids are in danger. Our kids are in danger. We've got to do something. Oh, Target is selling things. We gotta we gotta boycott, and we lo- run around just saying the world, the world. They're trying to destroy our kids, and. And our kids are being harmed and our kids are being sexually abused. Have you ever stopped to look at the numbers of how many children are sexually abused inside the church by so-called Christians? See, it always gets really quiet when I say that. Everybody's like, but, 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 what? No, no, but, 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 how many people in the, how many children have been abused? How much sexual abuse have occurred in the church? Sexual harassment, sexual assault, rape. I'm talking violent crimes. I'm not talking sexual immorality. I'm talking sexual crimes. The exploitation of a child, the sexual abuse, sexual harassment of women. Now you know you can go to like to the Roy's report and almost every day there's another case of this happened and this happened and, this, and they're all horrific things what about us we were so good at pointing at the world what about us Christian media I'm going to get myself in trouble again Christian media and many Christians ran around after the election Claiming all kinds of lies about the election being stolen. They promoted people like Sidney Powell, who finally like, nope, there was no evidence. I was wrong. I apologize. Jenna Ellis, who like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Hey, but Christian media was actually promoting Rudy Giuliani, Fox News. They were promoting all of this stuff. Christians were on their social media accounts, and then like, Fox News lost their defamation lawsuit, had to pay almost eight hundred million dollars uh, to uh, to uh, to um. Dominion uh, software for making claims about the election that wasn't true. And they had no evidence to say, no, we've proven the Dominion software was at fault. We've No, they lied, 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 lied. Now, I don't care if Fox News lies. I don't care if the world lies. But the church bought into those lies and spread those lies. I heard those lies promoted from pulpits, promoted on Christian radio, and promoted on Christian podcast. And now, did anyone come back and go, uh, well... I think maybe we messed up a little bit. Is the church five years from now, four years from now going to turn around and apologize and how we threw out the gospel for political position and power and that we corrupted the gospel with a political ideology that we threw the gospel into the dirt so that we could pick up a political party. The Puritans finally woke up and realized what they had done, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for their apology. Am I somewhat skeptical? Maybe I shouldn't be, only because I know that a lot of things that happened there was because bad things were happening and people were panicking over anything and everything. So you know, maybe maybe I know too much history about what happened. I don't know, but I'm hoping I'm gonna I'm gonna believe at least by faith because I don't I don't have any I can't prove it. That maybe their apology was very heartfelt, very sincere, and they really felt bad (laughs) that 20 human beings were killed all in the name of religion, in the name of Christianity, in the name of Jesus. And it just makes me realize how how quickly we need to be willing to apologize for our failures. Look, I could apologize every day from now until I'm dead for all of my sin and all of my failures because they are legion. But hopefully, I will always remain true and honest about the reality of who I am, which is a sinner. And I, I try to make, make sure I state that behind the microphone every single time. I'm just a sinner trying to figure this all out. So that's the first thing that I think about when I think of this apology on January the 14th, sixteen. 97, where the Puritans apologized for the Salem witch trials that happened in 1692 and 1693, where 20 human beings were put to death or killed or died in prison waiting to be put to death. But I think there's one more valuable lesson. Oh, there's probably many. But I I make this statement constantly in my study of church history. Whenever church and state come together, because we're going to make it a Christian nation, we're going to impose biblical laws, we're going, to, we're going to put the Bible as the law of the land. Whenever there's some kind of merging of church and state, it's inevitable. It's always been the case. It will always be the case. People start dying. This this idea of Christian nation and Christian nationalism where we institute biblical ideas and we start punishing people along those lines, it always ends in spiritual anarchy and chaos. People are going to start dying and nobody ever thinks it through. If you wanted to be a Christian nation, we're going to institute which Christianity gets to have the power. If it's Catholics, Protestants are dying. If it's Protestants, Catholics are dying. If it's Lutherans, other people are dying. And, when, and we see this throughout ch- church history, whoever took over the region and they become the dominant, whether it was the Puritans, whether it was the Lutherans, whether it was Anabaptists, no, no matter who it may have been, right, in any particular, well, Anabaptists were typically being drowned, but okay, well, we can go through all this, whether it's Presbyterians, whoever took over an area, then they banned and condemned anyone who's a heretic. Now you ha- they had the theological means of saying you're a heretic, but now they have the power of the civil government to execute and prison, kill and exile, or whatever they want to do. And we see that throughout church history. That's why I'm completely opposed. I, that's why I'm completely in favor of separating church and state. I want the state to leave religion alone. Let me proclaim and preach. Just give me the freedom. I, I, I Give me the freedom to say this is wrong. This is true. This is false. This is right morality. This is wrong morality. But I don't want to take over the law so that I can impose that morality upon the unregenerate. The law of God is there to condemn the unregenerate. It's not there to try to force the unregenerate to live like the regenerate. But the law of God is there once someone becomes saved to say, here is what God calls you to do. This is how you to live. But that is for the saved. That's why evangelism, that's why the Great Commission is go first teach. That's that's evangelism, the first teaching. Then baptize, that's bringing them into the church. And then the next teach is to teach. Teach them to obey. You teach them to obey after they become saved. To me, the Salem witch trials and the apology after shows the failure of any Christian nationalistic merging of church and state fantasy that people have. It will end in people dying. It will end up people being punished according to what you think christianity should and should not institute there was a, ch- a pastor this is i think it's on the christian post today and maybe on the roy's report there was a pastor who was just pu- punished by his church he's removed from the pulpit for drinking alcohol i guess on the premises now if you're if you're some christianity would if they took over they would ban the sale of alcohol they'd go back to the days of prohibition they'd sell it they, or they would they would forbid the sale of it. Now, wait a minute. There are other Christians out there, especially typically in the reform world, you brag about the fact that you drink. <laughs> you post pictures all over social media of, oh, I got this beer or I got this wine or we're going to meet for theology in the pub. And you you brag about the fact that you drink. Well, if the other Christians take over, they're going to punish you for the drinking of alcohol and they're going to pr- pr- others will say, no, drinking is OK. But no, 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 we're going to punish you for looking at pornography or whatever the case may be. Everyone's going to impose their rules and their laws. So even if Christians took over, some, you, you don't even know if you're going to agree with the law. Who, who's imposed? You go, We want prayer in school. Okay, who, who's prayer? Whose prayer? Tell me whose. You want the rosary? Do you want that? Oh, no, no, you don't want that. Jehovah's Witness? Oh, you don't want that. Mormons? Oh, you don't want that? Well, if you want... Prayer, well, how about the Muslims? Oh, no, you don't want, how about the Satanists? No, we don't want that. Well, why, why, see, everybody wants to take over and then impose, but they don't want it to be imposed upon them. January the 14th, 1697, the Puritans finally acknowledged day of prayer, repentance, fasting for what they had done in the Salem Witch Trials. We can learn some lessons from it. I hope you'll give it serious thought today. You can read more about the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, there's an article. That, in fact, I read from the article. I think it's on the Christian Post today. It says, to, to, uh, this week in church history, I think it's what it's called. And I think it's page two that mentions the Salem Witch Trials or mentions the day of apology by the Puritans. And I think they have a hyperlink there. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't go directly to the proclamation. It goes to a long, like a big book on the Salem Witch Trials, a digital file that goes through, like, on this day, this happened, and this day, this happened, and there's a book, I think it may be the book that I uh, I own, that goes through every single day of, like, the Salem Witch Trials, and, I mean, everything, everything that was happening in the city, what was happening in the churches, what was being preached, like, they just put every historical document together and try to put it in chronological order, it's pretty fascinating, um, and... Yes, I I would highly recommend it. If if you're interested, you can email me and I can find the name of the book. It's on my Kindle somewhere. Uh, But that's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. It's hard to believe, at least for me. The people who say they believe in the same Bible I believe in, believe in the same God that I believe in, believe in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for our sins, Those who would claim to be followers of Jesus lost their collective minds for what? About a year, maybe a little over a year. Frenzy and paranoia spreads through the entire city amongst those who claim to be followers of Christ and people start being put to death. Utter false accusations where they appear to be righteous and godly we're going to get rid of these workers of iniquity, these people being used by Satan. And the people being used by Satan were the ones claiming to be followers of Christ because of their own paranoia, fear. They, their own laws, which basically impose religi- or civil punishment for so-called religious crime. should bother you, or at least give you pause since there's so many Christians today almost wanting to reestablish some form of that. But most importantly, be sensitive to your sin. Be sensitive to your shortcomings before we're bothered by anybody else's. I need to do a better job of that. You probably need to do a better job of that. Thank you for listening. Everyone have a great day. And don't forget, today is January the 14th in 1697. The Puritans apologized for what happened during the Salem Witch Trials. God bless.